Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. Have some stability when the persecution comes. When the job says, you're going to do what? I'm going to fire you if you don't stand firm. When the wife says, you can't go, and the husband says, you can't go to church anymore, you, you stand firm. When your house has been destroyed, and you say, God, what's happening? When the disease comes into your life, when you have open heart surgery or whatever, you do, you what? You stand firm. Now, you can't stand firm in your own strength. Like a seedling that sits stagnant in the ground, receiving no nutrients or water so that it can grow. A superficial Christian has no root system. A strong wind can easily uproot them. As the end times draw near, things are going to get uglier for Christians. It's not speculation, but a scriptural fact. If your roots are weak, persecution and trouble will pierce through a superficial heart. The troubles of the world distract people from eternal truths, and if your relationship to Jesus and if your relationship in Jesus is shallow, it won't be enough to hold you when those trials come. Now is the time to dig into the Word, because one way or another, eternity is around the corner for all of us. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the end of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, verse 9, with the conclusion of our message entitled, How to Survive in Difficult Times. I don't know a lot about birth pains. Um, You women do. Although I've delivered two children, not not her own, but I've delivered two children. And I do remember, because the doctor didn't get there in time, the, the, the young gals were, they were screaming when I delivered the kids. And you know what happens in birth pains. As the time gets closer and closer, you, you women know it. It's the, the grunt time and the hurt time. And the pains get more intense and what? Closer together. So there are many people that believe what Jesus is saying there is, When you see these things, these natural calamities, these wars and rumors getting more frequent, more intense, there's about to be a delivery. Well, what delivery is going to come? Well, the delivery that's going to come is the new messianic age. God's going to usher in a brand new... So there is some relevance to the frequency, possibly, and the intensity of these things. Number four. But by the way, God says about those, don't be alarmed. Don't be running off the deep end. The world is coming to the end. The world is coming to the end. The world is coming to the end. Don't be alarmed. And you'll see why he says that. Verse number four. Guard your spiritual life during times of personal testing. Guard your spiritual life during times of personal testing. Look at verse nine. Jesus says, while all these things are happening, you must be on your guard. Disciples, you will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings and as witnesses to them. Now, some of you look and say, well, why is Jesus saying this to the disciples? Why is he saying to them, you're going to stand before a king. You're going to be flogged. You're going to be beaten. Because he wants to say to them, don't be surprised about it. All these things are going to happen in the world, but it's going to get very personal in your own life. There's going to be personal persecution. 
But Jesus is trying to say, and he's saying to you and I this morning this, personal persecution also is not a sign of the end of the times. Now, if you look at that verse 9, if you want to know if it ever came true, just scan the book of Acts. All true. It all happened. Go through the book of Acts and look for the times that you see the word stand. S-T-A-N-D, which is a word that we're going to talk about at the end of our teaching today. You will see they're always standing before these people after being beaten and whatever. So Jesus says, it's going to happen to you. You're going to be brought before religious kings and leaders, and you just want to realize that the persecution is coming. Now, if you came from a, a church that taught prosperity gospel, that everything in a Christian life is going to be good and you're not going to have any difficult times, I guarantee you, you do not have verse 9 highlighted in your Bible. That says, listen, you won't like it, but here's what it says. Persecution is a given for believers. It's a given. Absolute given. So we shouldn't be surprised. Now what happens today? Well, you and I know, we do get some suffering and some hardship because we're Christians. I use the term because we hear it all the time. Now people spin stories about us. Jesus says, you're going to be persecuted. Don't be surprised at it. We see it indeed now. So here's what Jesus says. When you're at work and the boss says, you know, the hierarchy's coming in and the, and the figures don't look so good. We, we're going to just spin the figures a little bit to look like we're doing better than we have been doing. And, and you're the one, the head of the accounting department. And you say, well, I can't spin those figures. And the boss says to you, really? If you don't spin them, you better look for another job. Is that persecution? Yes. Does it happen? Yes. What should you do? Well, I can't find another guy. I mean, there won't be another job. God, I've got this is the best job I've ever had. I'll spin the figures. No, Jesus says, you guard your heart. Just say, no, I can't do that. I'm not going to wilt under your pressure. Jesus Christ is more important than my job. By the way, if you have to do it, you'll find a better job the next one. You watch. He'll do it. You have to honor God. So it, it comes in all of areas of our lives. And Jesus is just saying, don't worry about the end time stuff. Watch your own spiritual walk. You must be filled with the power of the Spirit to be able to do those things. Then we come to what I believe is one of the most important verses in this entire chapter. It's verse 10. And it says this. And Jesus said, the gospel must first be preached to all nations. What Jesus is saying is this. Satan wants to take the good news of the gospel. And he wants to, through fear, intimidation, persecution, spiritual dryness, he wants to silence our message. We say it, I don't know that we believe it. Jesus is the only hope of this world. You see, every person who doesn't know Jesus Christ Every man, every woman, every boy living in darkness. They're empty. They're guilty. They're fearful of death. They're lonely. They're looking for answers to life. And Jesus Christ is the only one that can give them a change in their life. So Jesus says here, despite every opposition, whether it's from storms, whether it's political, whether it's persecution privately at work or whatever, let, let all those go. You must preach the good news. Now, stop and think about this for a moment. 
Why would Jesus say to the disciples, I'm going to send you before kings to be beaten. Let's take Festus. Paul comes to him. Why would, why would God allow Paul to be imprisoned and brought before Festus and brought before Felix? One reason. So Paul could do what, one thing. You see it in the verse. He shared what with him? The gospel. You see, how else? Who else is going to go before the king? On their own, say, excuse me, I'd like to have an appointment with you next Tuesday. I want to share the gospel. No, most people wouldn't do it. So God says, well, I'll show you how I'm going to do it. Paul, sorry. You're going to have to take a little rough treatment. But when you get there, the most important thing, Paul, is when you stand before him, you must share the good news. Now, that commandment, that commission has never changed. The verse you read, the verse you read in front of you, the gospel must be preached to all nations, is for every single one of you. It's the Great Commission. The only way your neighbor, your friend, the person at work, your relative, is going to come to Jesus Christ, is if you or somebody else shares it. I heard somebody say not long ago, and I think it's very true, the reason we don't share the gospel with any kind of fervency is because we really don't care. Now, it really bothered me when I heard it. What it says is this. I'm happy where I'm at. I'm saved. And to be honest with you, I really don't care. What else are you going to say about it? We really don't care. So Jesus says, you must care. There is no other way for the world to be changed until they hear. Do you know in the tribulation period, angels are going to preach the gospel? In Paul's time, Paul said the gospel went to all the world. Our generation, you're responsible. I'm responsible. Every single one of you, every single Christian is responsible for the Great Commission. It must be preached because if it isn't preached, then people are going to be lost. And I have that responsibility. Do we care? Number five, trust in the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Trust in the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Look at verse 11. I love it. Jesus says, disciples, whenever you are scheduled to speak as the pastor, don't worry about studying. Just get up before the people and let it fly. Is that what it says? I've heard pastors teach this, that they take this verse and they say there, just say whatever is given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Well, they never do give you the first part of the verse. It says this, when you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what you have to say. By the way, if anybody gets up in a pulpit and does that, they should be arrested and brought to trial. And it won't be long before the congregation will because they're going to say, what was that that you just said? No, the scripture can't be taken out of context. I must study to show myself approved. So what Jesus says here is this. Notice how that verse starts. This is a little scary. He doesn't say, oh, by the way, if you ever happen to be arrested, disciples, what's he say? Whenever. Hello. In other words, start counting the times. It's going to happen in your life. When you get there, be strong. Just share because God will give you the strength. Number six, you endure until your end. Now you're going to see something in verse 12 that's a really a difficult verse. This shows us how difficult it's going to come. Even though it's happening in the world now, it hasn't happened really in this country, but it could very easily. Verse 12. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents 
and have them put to death. All men will hate you because of me. It's very interesting, when Mark is writing this to the church at Rome, the Christians, when Mark's writing this, this is what's happening. A father converts to Christianity. He comes home and tries to say to his wife and to his kids, this is the answer. They go to the religious authorities, squeal on their own flesh and blood. The father is in prison, beaten, thrown to the lions. By the way, it happens all through our world. The last time I was in India, story after story in area, the Hindu came to know Jesus Christ, thrown out of this town, don't ever come back, you will be murdered if you step back in the town again. You say, well, that can't happen in this country. It's definitely going to happen during the tribulation. See, you'll have to take the mark of the beast, or they'll be out after you, son and daughter. You say, well, that yes, it will. You see, when you stand for Jesus Christ, it goes beyond any kind of human relationship you have. Some of you, as a husband or wife, have stood for Jesus Christ. I counsel people, and they come in a few weeks later, they've made a decision for Jesus Christ, and they find their spouse says, if you go on with that, I'm divorcing you. And they come in and they say this, I'm going back on Jesus. My marriage is more important to me. I can't do it. I want to say to you this morning, you must stand for Jesus Christ. When you take a stand for Christ, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. You must stand. Now, notice we see in verse 13 how important it is to stand. Look at the end of it. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. What does the end mean there? What is the end? He who stands firm to the end mean? Does it mean the rapture, the tribulation, the second coming of Jesus, the end of the thousand year reign? No, it means your end. You see, the disciples that he's speaking to, their end came before any of these things came. So they had to stand firm till their end. How many of you know when your end is going to be? We don't know. So what does Jesus say? You must stand firm until your end. Well, what does that mean then? The Christian life is not a hundred yard dash. It's a life long marathon. It's not emotional experience. It's lifelong. Jesus says rather than being blown away by a persecution, whether it's religious or secular, or by a family member turning against you, you are required to stand firm. If you have real faith this morning, if you have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, if you've really asked forgiveness for your sins, I'm not talking about being baptized as a child when you didn't know anything was happening. I'm not talking about being a member of a church. I'm not talking about taking communion, giving, being a good person, Ten Commandments. I'm talking about if you really accepted Jesus Christ in your life and you're standing, there is a quality of permanence in your life. And what Jesus says is, when you go through all of these things, you'll know whether you're really a believer or not because you stand firm at the end. Now, enduring, standing firm, does not ever save you. You can't come down to the, to the altar this morning and say, well, I need to take a step and accept Jesus Christ. And you're going to come up and you're going to go, I'm going to stand firm for Jesus. Stand firm. In other words, put some oomph in it here. I mean, uh, j just stand firm. Have some stability when the persecution comes. When the job says, you're going to do what? You, I'm going to fire you if you don't. Stand firm. When the wife says, you can't go. When the husband says, you can't go to church anymore. You, you stand firm. When your house has been destroyed 
And you say, God, what's happening when the disease comes into your life? When you have open heart surgery or whatever, you do you what? You stand firm. Now, you can't stand firm in your own strength. Look at the verse. You must stand firm in the strength of Jesus Christ. Look at it. You cannot stand strong without the help of God. It is God who gives us, along with you, the ability to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us, and he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment of everything he gave us. So don't try to stand out there this morning and say, man, I'm going to just do these exercises and I'm going to stand firm. No, you have to stand firm in the power of God. He who began a good work in you will complete it. You don't have to be afraid of your salvation. But let me talk to you about people who haven't stood firm. I don't have time to, to go there other than just a, a brief illustration. You remember when we did Mark chapter 4? We came across a person, and I'll read it to you. Don't turn there because of time. Let me just read it to you this morning. Stop and think in your own life before I read that. How many people do you know that started well, that made a profession of faith, but if you look for them now, you can't find them anywhere? They've fallen by the wayside. I hate to say in the last 40 years that I've been in ministry, how many people are no longer serving God? They're nowhere around. Now what happened? They didn't stand firm. I don't know where the end's coming, but they need to come back to God. In Mark chapter 4, it says, seen, sowed, the Bible is sown into a person's life. And this is a person who accepts it. There's all kinds of excitement in their life. But the word says this, they have no root. They only last a short time because when trouble and persecution come, boom, superficial heart. They profess to be a Christian. It was based on an emotion. But when trials come, they decide that the cost of serving Christ is too great and they abandon their faith. Is that you this morning? The second one in Mark says this, still others like seeds sown among thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Someone else professes to be a Christian and outwardly looks pretty good. But as they get involved in the Christian life, their business booms. All of a sudden, they got no time for God because they're just making money and they got kids in the preschool and they got the soccer and they get, and pretty soon their whole life is taken up with the busyness of this world. The scripture says they also abandon their so-called faith. What does that mean? It means that I must stand firm until my end. It isn't a start that's important. It's finishing strong. It's not a dash. It's a marathon. And you can't do it by yourself. You need God's strength. Whenever I think of that verse, I think of Paul, and I think of the Energizer Bunny. I'm sorry. He just keeps going and going and going and going. He's growing more like Jesus every day. The end is coming. Your end is coming. Where will you be? You see, the end of the world is definitely coming. The end of the world is coming. But your end may come way before that. See, every single one of us will die. And where are you? We live in a new subdivision, and I pass a house in our subdivision every day now, and it's a house where Lenny lived. He bought the house. 
He was a single man. I don't know what age, mid-50s, whatever. I didn't know he was sick. But Lenny, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, passed away. Almost every time I drive by his house, I think about it. The house is there. There's no Lenny. The furniture's there. The grass is being cut by somebody. It's in probate court or whatever. There's no Lenny. There was no relatives. There's no Lenny. They go into his house. The furniture's all neatly in place. Go into his garage. All the tools are there. His house intact. Lenny's inn came before his house was destroyed. Before anything in his house ended. If you go into his garage, you see a red Corvette. It's still there. And because the word tells me I can't covet, it's still there. It's just still there. It's just still there. But Lenny is not there. Lenny has come to his end. Where will you be when you come to your end? That's what it's all about. You see, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you will be in a place forever called hell. I can guarantee you, I've never been there, but from what I read in the Bible, you don't want to go there. You want to be in heaven. And Jesus says those who stand firm, endure to the end, will be, it's a little word called saved. It's called Christian, born again, new experience with God, whatever. Many people in the Bible came to Jesus and said, how do I have eternal life? And he told them, you have to admit your need of Jesus. You have to admit you're a sinner. You have to admit that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. And you have to ask him in your heart. Now I'm going to pray three prayers this morning, then we're out of here. The first is for believers who are discouraged. You're on one leg. You're not standing. You've been discouraged. Something in your life has taken you from taking a strong stand for Jesus Christ. You're wavering. This morning God wants to say to you, I began a work in you. Quit trying to do it on your own. Your salvation's intact. Relax. Get into the word. Filter it. Get back. Put your priorities here in this fellowship with me. Don't base them on the things of this world. Secondly, there's some of you who started well and you're surprised to even find yourself here this morning. Somebody has sidetracked you from the race. And if Jesus would come now, you don't know where you'd be because you started well, but you're nowhere near the road that you need to be on following Jesus Christ. A person or a circumstance has hurt you. Maybe you've been in a church and been hurt. I find that so often. And you have allowed Satan to come in and say, set it aside. You don't want to do that. You need to come back to the Lord this morning. You need to stand up and say, I'm putting both feet and I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. And lastly, we're going to pray in a moment for those of you that are here that have never publicly taken a stand for Jesus Christ. You've never come. You've never accepted Jesus Christ. When your end comes, where will you be? It's not where your husband is, your friend, your relative. It's where you will be. The only way to be in heaven is to accept Jesus Christ. You can't stand strong without the help of God. In today's message, Pastor Mark underscored the truth that Jesus is the only hope of the world. In times of deception, you have to trust the Holy Spirit who lives in you. 
That true faith anchors believers when the world is coming at you with hate and rejection. As we heard from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, it is God who gives us, along with you, the ability to stand firm for Christ. Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series the next time you join us. For those of you that like to have CD archives of Bible teachings, we'd like to offer you a CD of Pastor Mark's message from today. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5. This is only to cover the materials and shipping it takes for you to receive your CD. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option. Now, here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. The message number from today's broadcast is MB3158. And the title of this message is How to Survive in Difficult Times. Again, today's message number is MB3158, and the title of this message is How to Survive in Difficult Times. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Lessons for Living as we take a look at the events of the Tribulation and how the Church fits into that timetable. From the establishment of His Church to the Rapture, the Tribulation, and the Millennium, Pastor Mark will carefully consider what's going to happen and where we fit in as believers. The details of what's coming may be difficult to understand, but we can be prepared. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the Gospel of Mark. That's next time on Lessons for Living. 